HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at surreyfarms.com or virginiatraditions.com. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. I am a Greenhorn, and this is a program about young farmers around the country uh, working to self-actualize their way into agriculture, which is, of course, the foundational economic sector and a very important transformational economic sector for building the America we we would wish to eat in the future. I am happy to be joined today by Andy, who is calling in from Savannah, Georgia. Hello there. Hey, Severin. Hey. How are you doing over there? Uh, Not too bad. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's nice and sunny. Yeah, me as well. Now, let's talk about Savannah, Georgia for a moment, because once again, this is a town um, it's in the, you know, not such a prime town that everybody necessarily knows how wonderful it is, but it's one of the, like, secret, beautiful, historic towns, cities, city, it's a city. Is it a city? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a city, yeah, it's like close to a quarter million people. That's perfect, that's like the perfect size city. I agree. Okay, let's, we may maybe lay it out a little bit for people and maybe include also some of the um, history of the trade that was um, initiating this town. Yeah, well, Savannah kind of, as you know, Georgia was the 13th colony, so we're pretty early on. And Savannah itself is actually one of the first port cities here. Um, and as a result of that, there's something that's called an experimental garden or a trustee's garden that was right right near the river, would not, I mean, maybe two miles from where I stay. And the idea behind that thing was, you know, the king and queen wanted to try to broaden their horizons for trade, so they they sent the people over and said, 
you know, why don't you try to grow some of the things that can be grown in the Mediterranean? You know, like we need to start trying to produce olives and grapes and, you know, all these different kinds of things. So a lot of that kind of went on early on. And, you know, shortly after that, you know, Native Americans were involved and the city was kind of laid out by Mr. Uh, James Oglethorpe. And he had a really good relation with the Native Americans. And to this day, I mean, the layout of this city is, you know, studied by a lot of architecture people. And, you know, it's, it's incredibly easy to get around in. It's beautifully laid out with green spaces. You know, there's in about a two-square-mile area, there's 24 little parks. And in the middle of each park, you have some sort of monument to, you know, a war hero or, you know, a period or, you know, something like that. But beautiful green space, huge parks. Uh, lots and of how's the growing climate? Were they successful oh, like, with the Mediterranean uh, Mediterranean test crops? They did. Uh, they were successfully producing silk here. They brought over the the mulberry trees and were doing silk production. They started doing a lot of citrus in this area. Um, you know, the the rice culture was huge in, uh, around here, and you know, all the way from you know South Carolina down to you know just above Florida, rice coast. I mean. That that and cotton and indigo and, you know, like I said, the citrus and things like that. Lots of different fruit trees that came here and made their way over pomegranate and things like that. And you can get there on the train. Yes, that's true. It's only eight hours or something from, I forget if it's like, I think it's like eight hours from New York or maybe it's even more. Yeah, I don't think it, yeah, maybe eight, eight, ten, something like that. It's not too bad. Not too bad. And, you know, the Amtrak is very is very bumpy, but other than that, very comfortable. Yeah. Now, um, but you're not from Savannah, so you made a conscious choice to arrive there and 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 make your life there. Tell us about tell us about before Savannah. Uh, well, before Savannah, I am originally from Indiana, just south of Indianapolis, about 20 miles, and I spent my my childhood, you know, in the middle of the kind of country type setting with soybean and corns on either on either side of me and you know it was in rotation and I got pretty used to seeing massive combines and you know all that sort of business but I it never really I just kind of thought it was you know cornfields were something that I went and played around in and it wasn't anything that was serious and I didn't really think about the food or you know what was actually happening until you know later in life but so I went to university up there and studied tourism development hospitality things similar and that's kind of what brought me to Savannah, that and the climate. So once I got here, I did that bit for a little while, realized quickly that that's not what I wanted to do, started volunteering for a farm, and then that's all it took, really. And that was about five years ago, and I've been with my feet in the dirt ever since. But it, it just, it's just strange now happens, to look, huh? Yeah, it's strange now to look back and think about where I grew up in those massive monocultures and, you know, being surrounded by that stuff and seeing these massive tanks with ammonia and, you know, whatever else they're spraying. But it's just, it's so, it's so weird to, to think about that now. But I don't know. I, I'm happy that, that those things happened and I'm in the right mindset now. Well, it's a uh, it's journey. It's a journey. And the question is, where is it going? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, for me, it's, uh, I'm kind of in the in the process of starting a small little business and I'm not exactly sure the direction that I'm going, but, I know that it's going to involve me growing and me providing food for people in the area here because as progressive and as kind of hip as Savannah is for Georgia, who is traditionally a pretty conventional and just kind of old school state, um, 
Savannah's a little behind as far as like the food movement really goes, and you know, there's a few restaurants here that are getting that are sourcing mostly local, but there's definitely a huge demand for you know small small farmers and you know young farmers especially to kind of get in and provide for some of these folks and you know that's that's kind of where I see myself now I've been doing like some part-time kind of like gardener for hire type thing you know helping people with their community garden plots and you know making house calls and that sort of thing kind of like consulting in a way I guess well you know it just um man I've been on tour this past year, and, and, and in every town, it's like there's three different folks who are making a living setting up garden space for people in edible yeah. gardening. It's really a di- very dynamic growth sector, I would say, and especially in places like Charlottesville and, you know, it's all around in Oregon where the climate's so nice and you can just grow year-round with a little plastic help sometimes for winter oh, yeah. greens. And you know, yeah, even that's, that's, that's yeah, the situation it's really we're in, sure. Say it again. I said that's the same situation I'm in. I mean, you know, the hardest times of the year here are in the middle of the summer when it's just so you know wretchedly hot. But like, aside from that, I mean, you're right. Year year round, it's pretty easy to grow just about everything. Yeah, and you guys have a lot of bugs down there in Georgia, as I remember. Yeah, we do. We do have quite a few uh, critters. Sand gnats are a particular problem for a lot of people. But they uh, they don't actually mess with the plants too much. It's more just kind of a nuisance that will drive you crazy. But well, at least you're well. It hasn't driven you away. No, most definitely not. I mean, it's it, nothing like that is going to turn me away. I mean, the weather and just the people down here and just the lifestyle and you know close proximity to the beach and you know things like that. Pretty hard to beat. It's definitely a, a total 180 from Indianapolis, Indiana. 180. Well, now. Um, when I met you, you were working out on a farm that was part of a housing uh, housing dis- development. Yeah, that's right. Is, is that? And I noticed that there's a bunch of those, like agriburbia or agri develop. What's like where there's instead of having a golf course, they have a farm. And there's kind of a lot of those in Georgia. Will you like explain that model a little bit? Yeah, well, there are actually, and it goes into South Carolina as well. There's just South Carolina, I'm sure you've Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head and places like that are big retirement communities, and there are a lot of golf courses and gated-type places. But they're particularly along the coast, but along that rice coast, there really are just some beautiful river settings. And, I mean, some of the land out there is just incredible, lots of little barrier islands. So that's actually what I was working on was a little island. We would take a small causeway and get to the island. And most people, the, the one that I worked for in particular, it was – you know, they had set aside, I don't know what it was, it was something like 20,000 acres, and they set aside maybe 200 home sites. You know, they each had their own section. They had to be properly cleared a certain way, and, you know, they kind of wanted people to come in and buy into this, and the, at the center of all of it was the organic farm, and which is where I worked. And then and they did have an equestrian center and a golf course, and it's what they call it, it was kind of like a resort development community, you know, something like that. But I don't know. It's just there are quite a few of those around here, and I think a lot of it has to do with, again, with the climate, with the weather, with people wanting to kind of come down here. You know, you get a lot of snowbirds from up around your area that are come down here and stay for three, three or four months, and you know they want to be in a place like that where they have access to the food, and you know they can go hop on a boat and cruise on the river or ride a horse if they want to. So it definitely appeals to the people that are able to afford it, but that's not really a large 
percentage of the population these days. So for you, it was a good way to get practice growing fancy greens for fancy folks? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Did they pay it, you it was well actually enough? a biodynamic farm. Say that again? Did they pay you a good salary? Yeah, it was actually, yeah. I mean, it, it was well worth it. And it, it was, you know, a year out of college for me. I was happy to have salary benefits, you know, working in a beautiful island setting and, you know, doing something that I liked. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was great with it. And it, it was. It was where I learned to farm pretty much. You know, I had a had a good mentor and, you know, it was biodynamic and I learned a lot. And, you know, I've, I've kind of moved on since then and done different things. But I, I'll, I'll never forget that for sure. And I still... I still visit there regularly and know the farmers that are there currently. So, well, this it's, it's is my. Lot, I think it's just fine and dandy, and way better than golf. As long as they're paying the farmers proper wages, then I'm okay with it. I've had oh, to yeah. think about oh, that yeah. in order to make that decision. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. Now we've talked about Georgia. Oh, well. So here's something people might not know about is the incredible little network of young farmers in in the larger Georgia scene and uh, the the programs that are happening through Georgia Organic. Have you been tuned into some of that? Uh, some of Georgia Organic, yeah. I, I always kind of try to keep up what's going on with them. I was actually away most of the year last year, but since I've been back, I've, I've definitely been plugged in with them. And Yeah, they, they have a lot of great stuff going on. Is there something you were talking about in particular? Uh, well, I just know that they're starting to think about uh, getting a little bit organized because on this next year, in 2012, as you, I'm sure, are aware, is the Farm Bill coming up. And because Georgia is, I think, the fifth most important agricultural state, or is it the fourth? Uh, I, I would say top five for sure. I'm not sure which one they are. Top, yeah. And, and something, like, something like six million acres of farmland. Uh, yep. in Georgia, of which I think um, less less than 1% is organic, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, that's, that's definitely true. But nonetheless, a major player and, and, and a state that understands that its economic destiny is, is, is closely linked to, to farming and that is seeing a really strong growth in local food and a really strong growth in young Growers, many of whom are interested to grow for direct markets, for direct consumers, and using sustainable methods. So they're they're definitely noticing that trend. Um, and the question is, are they going to support it, and are they going to act uh, to support the the re the rebuilding of the infrastructure that's needed? What do you think the prospects oh, yeah. are? How 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 to connect with the old time farm old timers and the conventional farm community, and and visualize a future that helps everyone. Well, it, it is. It's definitely a difficult thing to do. But uh, Georgia Organics really has done a great job of of you know making making things like that aware of you know in every county they on their website they have like a posting of you know elder farmers that are trying to get rid of their land and helping for leases and things. And, and they're really great. Uh, one guy in particular I can think of is the farmer ser- services director. He, you know, I kind of went to him and said, I, I need to try to find a job. You know, I'm kind of looking. Within a couple of days, he had given me, you know, 10 different references. And it's uh, these people, 
they're there and they're incredibly active in in trying to make the right moves and you know they they hold a conference every year and it's it's always pretty good and as far as the politics of it all the savannah actually hosted i don't know if you knew about this or not but savannah had a usda like they had some sort of voting take place here about the organic standards a couple weeks ago and they they voted about keeping sulfites out of the wine and you know there was actually a big you know, there was a big group of folks that showed up to, you know, share share their two cents. And, you know, they, they talked to, there's a woman here, Shirley Daughtry, who's been growing, you know, organic peanuts since the beginning of time. You know, like, they they are listening to those people, and, and it seemed like they were given the respect that was due to these kind of folks. And like I said, yeah, I, I, Georgia Organics really is just doing a great job as far as I, as far as I can tell that, you know, they're putting the right people plugging them all together and, you know, offering the right kind of education. And it, it, it's up to us, you know. We're the ones that are going to make the difference. And I think Georgia's ripe and ready, and the, the people are here and in place and ready to do the work. And there's peaches. Yeah, tons of peaches. South Carolina, South Carolina actually produces more, but Georgia peaches are pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, um, I like them. <laughs> uh, see, it's fun. It's fun. You're, I like your attitude a lot. Now, like uh, what we got to tell everybody about is that next week, my gosh, it's already soon. It's so soon. We're going to be having a mixer for young farmers at SOG. You want to tell yeah. everybody what SOG is? Uh, SOG is the Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group. And, you know, this will be my first time going to the to the conference that they hold. But there again, they're, they've been around a little longer than Georgia Organics, quite a bit longer, I would imagine. I'm not really sure. You might be able to tell me that. Quite a bit longer, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they 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 do the right stuff, man. They're I really, really serious. I'm, I'm, they're what? They seem really serious from the schedule, I have to say. Yeah, it does seem pretty kind of like strict and regulated or whatever, but I feel like you know, the the education is there, and I think they are. They're just serious about it. They they really want those things to get out to the people that need them. And I don't know, it'll be it'll be a good conference to attend, that's for sure. So if anybody's considering it, Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group Conference in Little Rock, Arkansas, and Annie will be there, and I'm going to be there, and we're going to show the greenhorns, and we're going to have the Young Farmer Q&A, and we're going to have the Young Farmer Mixer, and we got the beer, and we got the space. I'm going to get my PDF done by the end of the day. And so, Great. you know, one, two, three, no problems. I hope that yeah. you're coming. If you're hearing this radio in Brooklyn, you probably are not coming. But we do have other people who listen on the podcast, so perhaps they will come. And if not this year, the next year. Uh, I was trying to think if there was anything else that I wanted to make sure to mention. Oh, yes, I remember what it was. Also, the same weekend, next weekend, is uh, NOFA, New York. And NOFA, New York, is in Saratoga, New York, which is also accessible by train. And in the hotel there, there will be a beginning farmer mixer with Greenhorn Crew and all of our pom-poms with LED lights inside of them. And they also have very nice beverages uh, available. So I would very much recommend you that if you are if you are not yet tuned into the Sustainable Agriculture Conference circuit and are trying to orient yourself, 
uh, or are thinking about farming in this coming season, well, now is the time to think about this. It is January. It is time to be serious and the best place to get networky and vibe out the different farmers, hear about apprenticeships, learn about the different skills that you will need to master in order to survive as a professional farmer. All of that happens um, in, in these sustainable agriculture conferences, which were founded by our elders, sometimes even before there were computers, uh, back, in the, back in the golden 60s, and are farmer-driven and have mo- mostly farmer boards uh, to keep them for real. And there are many of them very open to partnering with new organizations, young people, and, uh, well, anyway, we better step up. That's, um, that's what I'm going to say. And you just Google your, like, you know, southeast, you know, no, there's all the NOFAs in New England. This is obvious. I'm sure most of you know this, but if you don't, I'm scolding you a little bit. And Andy would scold, too, except for I'm talking too much. <laughs> uh, uh, everybody needs a good scolding every now and then, right? I, I would say. Uh, okay, so that's the story with that, and Andy will be there, and I'll be there. And Andy, do you want to tag any resources that have been useful to you in your uh, evolution as a as a young farmer? Some people might want to hear about. Yeah, um, and I know I keep saying George Organics, and if you're not in the area, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you should just at least check out their website and see kind of their format and what they're doing, and maybe you have something that'll help improve what they have going on. But I um. I'm involved with the Food Policy Council here in Savannah, and they have been a great resource for me. And it's just being being involved with all these restaurants and, you know, hitting the farmer's market and just, just being around people that, sh- that share your passion for food and, you know, for, for health and nutrition and all those things. And, and I feel like everybody knows that. But, again, it's just check those places out, be there, absorb what you can. Check out these conferences. That's uh, kind of the path that I've been on. I read like I could never imagine, you know, things like that, and just just go for the experiences, you know. I mean, that's 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 where I feel like I learn the most is actually out there working. So, do what you can. Do what you can. Okay, everybody, do what you can. This is Severin. This is Greenhorn Radio. We're on this radio station here, Heritage Radio, and also newly WGXE Community Powered Radio in the Hudson Valley with our 2012 Young Farmer Policy podcast series. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Evan.